0: Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we spend our time, begin our time in God's Word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we've had to worship, as we've prayed together, read scripture, and uh, sung songs uh, to glorify you and to build up one another. And Lord, I pray that as we spend time in your Word studying and ca- seeking to know the way of truth, Lord, that you would give us uh, clarity, that you would give me clarity, uh, give me strength to preach in the way that you would have me to. And Lord, that you would give us open ears and and uh, open eyes, that we might see and hear the truth of the gospel and believe it and follow you. I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. This morning we're going to be in Second John, uh, chapter one, verses four through eleven. Really, there's only one chapter uh, in Second John, and it hardly could be considered a chapter. It's not a very long book. In fact, we're going to cover the the bulk of the book of Second John. Uh, Today and uh, you know John uh, to me I'm I'm kind of like uh, Paul in the way I might write when I write a letter or write an email it's going to take me 16 chapters to communicate what I want to say my dad would be more like John my dad writes two sentence emails and they're usually direct. They're usually misinterpreted. We would usually have to go back and correct what my dad said when he sent an email to a customer or something like that. Like, hey, he didn't mean to say you shouldn't do business with us ever again. He was just, you know, (laughs) that's kind of of the way my dad writes. Well, John's very similar in that. John's very direct. He's very pointed. He doesn't mince words. He doesn't use flowery words. He just tells you like it is. And so... Uh, we'll see that as we get into this text today uh, in 2 John. And if you read first through third John, you'll notice that he just says, black and white, this is the way of life, this is the way of darkness, you need to follow the way of life. And so we'll see that today as we get into 2 John. But uh, but we began last week to take a shift in our study in discipleship, and we turned from understanding how we are to be disciples and how we are to make disciples to focus on the way of the disciple how is a disciple to walk in this world and we started to consider the greek word didache which we translate into teaching or doctrine and so i explained last week that the word really can be best understood as a way of life or the way of life and it's not just about what you know, as we commonly think of the word doctrine or teaching, but the way you live in this world. And so we saw last week that the way of life is a way of obedience. It's a way of obedience that is sound, that is healthy, that is true, and it's a way that is self-controlled. We're not governed by our desires or the whims of our nature, but we're self-controlled and sober and in good behavior. And so this morning, we turn to another aspect of the way of life, and we find that in 2 John chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. So follow along as I read, starting in verse 4. God's Word says, I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing to you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the uh, the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is a deceiver and the Antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son." If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. So from this passage, I want you to understand that the way of life is a way of walking and watching in truth. The way of life is a way of a way of truth, of walking and watching in truth. In the truth. So, first, in verses four through six, we see that the way of life means that we walk in the truth. So, the apostle John wrote 2 John to an unknown church, and he refers to this church as Dear Lady. Okay, he refers to her as kind of a motherly figure. And the members of the church he refers to as children. And he writes, To start with to say that he's been greatly encouraged to hear that this church is walking in the truth now that first statement leads to a very important question especially for us in the United States of America and that question is just quite obviously what is truth the question is necessary first and foremost because no one knows what is true anymore our society is sick for lack of truth. You know, when I'm a computer engineer, so I'm going to think about it from the perspective of computers for just a second. Y'all have to bear with my nerddom for just a moment. But, uh, you know, when computers were first made, it took a room twice the size of this sanctuary. Just imagine that twice the size of this sanctuary to store the computer that would do the calculations that you now can do with the calculator app on your iPhone. And your iPhone, that same iPhone that you have now, has access to a vast network of information, a network that we call the internet, really an inexhaustible treasure of information. And that information is a result of over 500 years of scientific discovery and technological revolution. And those scientific discoveries and technological revolutions, they could only advance and only happen because they were the result of hard fought political and social revolutions like democracy and the rule of law and liberty. And yet, even with all that advancement, even with all those victories, the result of all that has been, at least in the United States of America, a society that is deceived and confused. Instead of using the supercomputers that we now have in the palm of our hands for further advancements, we mindlessly scroll through videos and play games for hours on end. Instead of using the information at our fingertips to improve our skills and to make beautiful and useful things, we skim the headlines that come across our feeds lacking real understanding of anything. Instead of finding common ground in the hard-fought rights and freedoms of our democracy, we find fault in our fellow man and assume the worst of the other side of an issue and fall further and further into our division. We do all of this while we claim to have our own truth, our own version of the truth. To our society, Truth is not a set of facts that everyone generally accepts. Truth is not a set of moral precepts to which everyone adheres. Truth is not a legal system to which everyone submits. Truth, in our society, is whatever you make it. So what is truth? Jesus answers this question very plainly and simply in two ways. In John chapter 14, verse 6, He declares, I am the way, the truth and the life. And then in verses in in chapter 17, verse 17, Jesus prays for his disciples. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Now, both of those statements tell us something about what truth is. Both of those statements tell us tell us that truth is not whatever we can make of it. Truth is what God reveals it to be. Amen. God is the creator and the sustainer of this world, and He defines what is true. He created this world in a way that is ordered and good, and His Word defines reality as it should be. And God has ultimately revealed that reality in Jesus Christ who is the Word made flesh to know Jesus is to know the truth about life to know God's Word is to understand the truth about the world that he created John's hope for the church that he is writing to is that they would walk in the truth of Christ notice John and it's an important thing to pick up on, John doesn't rejoice that they know the truth. He doesn't rejoice that they study the truth. John rejoices that they walk in the truth. Now understand, the truth is not known unless we walk in it. Hear that again. The truth is not known. You cannot know something in the fullness of its truth unless you walk in it. So let me give you an example. When when Leah and I heard that we were going to have Eden we immediately began to plan. And y'all all know, you've been first-time parents. You you think about everything, right? You get that, that Leah got that book, What to Expect When You're Expecting, which tells you all the things that you're going to do wrong when you're a parent because you're just going to do them wrong when you're a parent. I, if you're a first-time parent or you're about to be a parent, just know you're going to mess up and it's okay. They're very tough beings. They can take it and they'll survive. Um, but the... <laughs> but the uh, the, we, we began to think through, you know, where are we going to put her in the house? How are we going to, na- or what are we going to name her? How are we going to raise her? And being the philosopher that I am, I, I, I thought a great deal in those nine months about what it means to be a good father. And I looked at the good example of my own father, and I considered some bad examples of fathers that I knew. Uh, I read scripture on fatherhood and I listened to podcasts and I read books and I did all of that. And right up to the moment of Eden's birth, I thought I understood the truth of what it was to be a father. But I did not know the truth of what it was to be a father until I held that 10-pound little Eskimo in my arms. And in an Instant. It, it was the weirdest feeling I've ever had. In an instant, I looked at that baby in that swaddling cloth and I instantly changed. In an instant, I went from knowing something to being something. Right. And the difference between knowing and being is what it means to walk in the truth. Right. In a similar way, you can hear all the sermons in the world. You can memorize the whole of the New Testament. You can know the great doctrines of the church. But until you place your faith in Jesus Christ and trust Him with your eternal salvation, you are not walking in the truth. Second, I want you to see that the way of life means that we are watchful in the truth. Not only do we walk in the truth, but we are watchful of the truth. In verses 7 through 11, John shifts from rejoicing about their walking in the truth to warning them about the truth. He warns that there will be deceivers who will deny that Jesus has come in the flesh. Now, during the time of John's ministry, a group of heretics had arisen in the church known as the Gnostics. And the Gnostics were influenced by Greek philosophy uh, to believe that the material world was evil and the spiritual world was good. So they taught that it is impossible that Jesus could have been truly human because to be human is to be a part of the material world and the material world is evil so if god so if jesus was the son of god then he couldn't have been born in the flesh he couldn't have come in the flesh so they concluded that jesus only appeared to be human he was uh, he was god in human skin like, like basically and I've, I've actually had people ask this you know if you were to poke jesus would light come out you know that no, he had blood. He bled red blood. It's documented. It's well documented. I encourage you to read the Bible and, and learn about that. But Jesus was fully human. But these Gnostics denied that they that Jesus was fully human. In believing this, they were denying an essential teaching of the gospel. That Jesus was born in the flesh to live a completely obedient life. For us. You see, if you deny that Jesus was fully human, then Jesus uh, could not offer back to God the obedience that is required of humans. If Jesus had not offered back the obedience that is required of humanity, then he could not pay the penalty for our sins by taking our punishment on the cross. Right. And if he could not pay the penalty for our sins by dying as a, a a sacrifice for us, then our sins are not atoned for and we are not made right with God. So to deny this truth about Jesus was no innocent mistake. John says that it is deceptive. Not only that, but in verse 7, he calls such a person that would teach this to be an antichrist. Now, unfortunately, the name Antichrist has been muddled a bit because we, we tend to kind of obsess about end times teaching and pop culture has taken the concept of the Antichrist and made movies about it and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it kind of fogs our basic understanding of what, it, what the word means. Now, the Antichrist, yes, there will be a future Antichrist, but the Antichrist is not one person. It is any person who is against Christ. In fact, that's what the word means, is one who is against the Messiah, anti-Christ. And as 1 John chapter 4, verse 3 says, every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. Understand that there is no middle ground with Jesus. It is not that Jesus and the Antichrist are on opposite ends of right and wrong and humanity is stuck in the middle trying to decide between the two. No, if you are not walking in the truth of Christ, then you are set against Christ. You are an Antichrist. If you are not in Christ, if you are not walking after Christ, then you are set against Christ. Right. And John warns us then in verse 8 to watch ourselves lest we be deceived and fall away from the truth. He warns us in verses 10 and 11 not to give any quarter to those who do not hold to the doctrines of Christ. Notice, if anyone comes denying the truth of God, not only are you not to receive them into your house, which we would we would struggle not to do ourselves because we're Southerners and we want to be nice and we want to be hospitable. But he says, don't receive them into your house. But not only that, but he says that you are not to greet them. Now... This is, this is important to catch because the word greet there literally means to cheer. So it's the same thing as saying hello or how are you doing today or have a good day. It's, it's our, the way we greet people, go, you know, passing them in Walmart or whatever. And so he's saying if you, ha- if you have someone who you know to be a false teacher, you know them to be set against Christ, you know them to be an antichrist, then you are not to even greet them. You are not to even say hello to them because you do not want to give quarter to those who knowingly and willfully rebel against and stand against Christ. So guarding the truth is something that each one of us must take seriously. And as we leave this place today, I want to give you a challenge. I want you to think about The false teaching that you let into your house. Now, in our day, it comes to us not by people knocking on our doors, but it comes to us through a portal that we already have in our hands and in our rooms in our house. It comes to us through our phones, through our tablets, through our TVs. And I want to encourage you, are you careful about those who you listen to and those to you, uh, to, that you read when it comes to the doctrines of God? Are you careful of who you watch on Christian TV? Now, I've I found that Christians are fairly naive when it comes to Christian media. I found this, and I've not had a chance to talk to Brother Watson about it, but I'd be interested to know what he thinks about it as well. But I found in my time visiting people, especially people who claim to be Christians but don't ever come to church, uh, I found that people are very naive and that we think that if someone claims to be a Christian on TV, then they must be worth listening to. And I've, I've actually gone to a person's house one time. She was a member of the church I was pastoring at the time. Uh, I lived like not even a mile from the church. I went and knocked on her door. She let us in. The TV was blaring with some TV preacher on it. And I started talking to her about, hey, maybe you should come back to church. And she said, I don't need to go to church. That right there is my church. And that in and of itself is the problem that I think we as a church and we as the Christian body in America need to address. Please do not be naive about the teaching that you are consuming. Please be discerning about what you let into your home. In my opinion, the American church has been greatly harmed By many of the parachurch ministries, the radio programs, the publications, and the TV stations that have cropped up over the last 30 or 40 years. What I have found is that these ministries have trained us, even if they're good ministries, they have trained us to devalue the local church and to replace it with easily consumed media. I hope that we begin to reverse that trend. And let me encourage you, if you need guidance on whether you should pick a new, the newest hot book from a Christian teacher, feel free to ask me. I'll be glad to talk to you about who that teacher is and what he believes. If you want to, a good sermon podcast or radio program that you can listen to, I'd be glad to make some ch- suggestions. But let me suggest a standard that you should hold to. And, and this is just a general rule. I'm not saying that it applies to everyone equally or applies in the same way, but let me just suggest something that you should think about when you consume even Christian media. And that is, do I read or listen to outside Christian sources more than I do the teaching of my local church? Because Christian books... And sermon broadcasts, they're they're great. I listen to them. I encourage you to listen to them in, in in a moderated way. But they should not overshadow your commitment to the local church. If you find that you listening to a podcast or watching a TV program becomes your church for the week, then you are watching or listening to it too much. It should be a supplement To your church to your sunday school to your wednesday night study and you know i was thinking about it this morning in the course of a year and some people have have complained about uh, a little bit that we read a lot on wednesday night we we read three to five books on our wednesday night studies during the course of a year so we have a curated in this church a curated set of books that I would recommend as your pastor that you are welcome to pick up. Bob will buy it for you in a heartbeat. And we'll, we recommend for you to read as part of your spiritual growth. We study every Sunday morning at, at uh, 10 o'clock. We study as a group of believers down in the fellowship hall or in the children's department. We study the Bible through all, all the way through in our Sunday schools. I preach through the Bible Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, week in, week out. So there are five hours of preaching and teaching that you can consume any week right here in your local church. And the purpose of that is that we know each other and we are able to hold each other accountable. And You're able to hold me accountable and I'm able to hold you accountable. And when we do that, we ensure that we do not fall away from the truth, that we watch one another and we watch for, our, for people that come into the church to deceive us. But if you're a, a, a lone sheep out in the wilderness listening to whatever uh, comes over the radio waves or whatever comes over the TV, that person is thousands of miles away from you and has no direct discipline from this church or even maybe from his own church that, that you can trust or listen to. And so I encourage you to moderate what you let into your house based on the discipline of this church and the watchfulness of this church, that we might watch one another and ensure that we are walking in the faithfulness of the doctrine of Christ. It is here that we are watchful of each other and our teaching. So may we commit ourselves to walking and watching in this truth as we leave this place. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. And Lord, I pray that we would faithfully commit to watching and walking in the truth. Lord, that we would not just know the truth, that we not just study it, but that we would walk in it. And Father, that we would watch one another, that we would be watchful of the truth, that we would be watchful of ourselves, that we might faithfully walk in the way that is true, that we might walk in the doctrine of Christ. Father, I pray that you would bless us now as we respond. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.